Hey, good morning. Today's daf is daf Lamed Aleph. Today's shiz Lilu Nishmas Haramoyshe Yoyna Ben Yaakov. May his neshama have an aliyah and may his memory be a blessing. Um, the uh, um, we're up to. We mentioned that all the mitzvahs that the son has in obligation to his father, I kivud kivud avaim and yira. Or specific, I mean, the one it discusses specifically yira, but it would be those two mitzvahs. Um, Apply to both men and women. We just mentioned, interestingly, that the possible mentions ish, because a man is always bound by kibbutz aim, where a woman, when she's married, she doesn't always get to fulfill kibbutz aim. It's not a um, again, but once uh, if she subsequently divorces her husband, then again the obligation Morning, falls yeah. straight uh, back on her the equal obligation to her siblings who have the obligation to honor their parents. That's where we were up to in the discussion. Um, it says honor your mother and father and the Pasuk also says honor Hashem with all your assets the Torah equates honoring your parents to honoring Hashem similarly it says a man must honor his father, must respect, be in awe of his father and mother. And similarly, it says, you must fear Hashem your God and um, and serve him. The Pasuk equates fear of one's father and mother to fear of Hashem. It says someone who curses their father or mother shall be put to death. A man who curses their God will bear their sin. The Torah equates um, if you, it's a euphemism saying the bracha of one's parents to blessing to the bracha of Hashem, but it's saying one who curses their parents is as if they, it's equated to one who curses Hashem. Aval. Now there's a, fir, there's a fourth mitzvah to do specifically with your parents. So we've discussed kavod and yira and cursing. And what's the one? Hitting. Aval um, regarding hitting, well, that is impossible. You can't discuss hitting Hashem. So that's only by a parent. Um, but, and why is this logical that Hashem should equate that it's someone's honor for their parents and Yira and not cursing them should equal, be equal to Hashem? Why is it logical? Because they are all partners in His creation. Let's just read this one, uh, this next price. There are three partners in the creation, in the form, in forming a person. His father and his mother. When a person honors his father and mother, when a person honors his Father and mother, Hashem says, I'll consider it as if I'm living amongst them and He is honoring me. So, very amazing, amazing strength of state, uh, powerful statement regarding uh, one's uh, parents and honoring their parents. That I mean, even here we see, even if you're not honoring Hashem, but you're honoring your parents, Hashem will consider it as if you're honoring Him due to this. Uh, 
um, yeah, due to idea that they're all creators in him. I think it's almost, and this could be, uh, you know, there's a famous question, they, some people divide, one of the explanations is you divide the luchos, the two tablets, into ben Adon Lamakom, the first half, and ben Adon Lachaveri in the second half. Which side is Kivra Ba'evon? It's the fifth one, it's at the bottom of the first half. Is it not, but is it not ben Adon Lachaveri? Isn't that between man and a person? So, um, so that's, I mean, that's a famous question on Kivra Ba'em. And, uh, oh, yeah, and I think one aspect is, uh, it's, it's essential to be able to honor and show appreciation for one's parents. And if you can't, then how are you ever going to appreciate Hashem's involvement in your life? If you can't appreciate the life that your parents have given you and whatever they've done for you throughout the years, um, then how are you going to be able to come along and say, no, but I appreciate what Hashem has done for me? They're all, in a certain, to a degree, they're all acting as partners, so you can't uh, exclude one from the other. But obviously that's um, another question. Then just wanted to bring out the um, where was it? The the Marshal here, so he brings the famous uh Drosha. If a person is honoring his mother and father, Hashem says he will view it as if you are, as if he's dwelling amongst them. He says, shame yud hey. The name of Hashem ko yud and hey is combined from man and woman. You know the famous idea. What's the difference in the spelling between man and woman? The yud and the hay. That's Hashem's name there. Kedomrinu besoita ayovi. So that in the Gemara in soita vekiilu kabdeni haben. And therefore, when you serve Hashem, it says honor your parents as if you um, also haven't you understand it? It's as if you under under. It's as if you are serving hash, um, honoring Hashem from that aspect. Can't say it Says the Rav Nusachos. He says he brings a slightly different Joshua, uh, but then he's uh, Girsi says says and they v'chav daini and they honor me. Says v'koi gam la'ad v'im shezochu lot says mayhem or legadol ben kosher kazeh. If parents merit. To raise such a wonderful child again that he honors the parents so much. We see late, we're going to see later on in today's death at a time when a person distresses his mother and father. That was a good choice that I didn't stay amongst them, etc. It says, Hainuta Hashem, you'd. Yud, uh, the shame ko mistaleg mi benem velo rotsa bishitufa benishar eish ba'ish nefishel ozochel agado ben kosher because I didn't uh, merit to raise a good child. It seems I think it's a, a little what's it? Uh, it works both ways. But he's bringing out from the other aspect that it's, there's got to be something good, wholesome about the home that they can raise a good child. And therefore, if you have a child who's honoring his parents, it was a home. That was deserving of Hashem's presence, and therefore, um, and that also makes them merit to have uh, good children. So the child, in a, in, to a degree, uh, reflects um, that Hashem is living in that home. 
Okay, carrying on. Um, yeah, there's also the famous Midrash. In China. I don't think it's here. I think it's elsewhere. We say that there are three. I think it's a Gemara Nida. You say Hashem gives the person his neshama, his life force. The mother gives the person the red parts of his body, his flesh, etc. And the man gives the it gives the person his white, his bones, and etc. But we see there that all three are contributing to the development um, of the person. Okay, Tana, last line of Lamar Amudai's uh, he says, Tana Rebi Oimer, It's natural, it's known before the one who said, and the world came into existence, that a son honors his mother more than his father. Because she motivates him with nice words. Mothers are always encouraging and speaking nicely to their children. Therefore, the children naturally honor their mother more. Therefore, the Torah says, first, uh, you should honor your father before your mother. A person fears his father more than his mother because she teaches him Torah. Therefore, Hashem preceded fearing your mother to fearing your father. Um, and what's it saying? That even though you have a natural tendency to, I guess, give your mother more honor, to be helpful to your mother, etc., and to be more in awe and respectful of your father, even though there is that natural tendency, um, you got to, it's got to be equal. That's why the Torah puts the reverse, puts it in the reverse order. Um, interesting enough that what gives you your moira, the fear of your father, because he teaches you Torah. I mean, there's so many children who uh, I'd be very interested. Maybe we should do a survey. Who children respect more in families where I guess the father doesn't teach them Torah or things like that? Because I, I have, a, I feel like it's a natural tendency for children to fear their father. I did once ask. I was teaching the laws of Kibbutz to my class. Said, I asked them, who do they, who are they more scared of? And most of the boys are scared of their mother. Like if they don't have, if they get a bad result or don't do a test. But I think when it comes to the crunch, a lot of, a lot of uh, people are still more scared of their father. Um, okay, but something to uh, work out. Tony This is the flip side of the Joshua we saw when a person honors his mother and father. When a person distresses his mother and his father, Hashem says, Ah, good choice that I didn't uh, stay amongst them. Because they would also harass me. Just as he harasses his parents, he would also harass me. So Not sure exactly why this is here, but anyone who does an Avera in secret, it's as if he's pushing away the he's standing on the toes of the Shina. The heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. It's where I rest my feet. Now, if you can sin in secret, you're showing you obviously don't consider Hashem as being there. So you're standing on his toes because that's where he's, uh, he's resting there. Omar Rabbi Shua ben Levi, Rabbi Shua ben Levi says, Rabbi Shua ben Levi says, it's forbidden for a person to go for Amos with an upright posture. Shenemar says, Hashem fools the whole world. Now if you're going to stand upright, you're kind of pushing, you're, you're taking up more space and pushing Hashem out. To be honest, 
I think this is metaphorical for like yeah. arrogance and confidence. I don't think it's literally, you know, you, you go to the physio or the chiropractor and says you've got to be careful with your posture. You can't, I don't think if you say to him, but I don't want to push Hashem out of this world, um, in my mind that doesn't make sense. But there is also a reflection in how someone walks and carries themselves if are they an arrogant or a, a person. So it's not exclusive that it's not to do with your posture, but I don't think it's purely how you're standing that reflects this idea that you don't want Hashem in your world. It's when your posture is reflecting an internal sense of self-importance, self-grandeur and arrogance, that's when it's driving Hashem out of the world. Okay, that's what, that's what I think. Rav Huna Breder of Yeshua, Rav Huna Breder of Yeshua, he would be careful not to go for Amos with his hair uncovered. Omar Shechina Lamalamirosh, he says the Shechina is above my head. Out of honor for the Shechina, he puts his, he, you wear a head covering. Always wondered why. I mean, sometimes we say it's a reminder, like a, a Yomukha. <coughs> Yomukha, they say, is from the word Yore Malka, fear of Malka the king. Yomukha. Um, but I'm not sure. I like, I, yeah, I don't understand fully. Also, interesting, from this Gemara, what would you say is more important? To be careful with your posture or to be careful with wearing a Yomi? Uh, uh, clearly, I mean, just from the language, Rabbi Yeshua Belevi says it's also to go with four Amos without a, with the Koimas of Kufa. And then we mentioned, by the way, you know, Rav Huna Braid, Rav Yeshua was careful to never go four Amos without a Yami. Again, they're both representing the same idea a sense of awareness that you're in Hashem's presence. In wherever you are in the world, in whatever situation you are, you're in Hashem's presence. That's what they're both expressing. But for, in my mind, it's interesting, it's much clearly forbidden. To go with the upright back than to not go with the, with the four amos without a head covering, which I mean, as we know, everyone's very, very careful with the yami. They're not necessarily so careful with how they uh, present themselves. Um, both are actually brought in Shulchan Aruch, in the tour and Shulchan Aruch, and they discuss it. Um, there's always, I find it fascinating. There's a fascinating marshal. He discusses, uh, most learn that wearing a yami at least full time is uh, Midas Hasidus. It's a pious practice, okay, and which fits in with Al Gomorrah. Rav Hunabre Yoshua was careful to not go four Amos without a Yami implies that that wasn't the norm. If it was the norm, then it would just say Ephraim or something. Why does it say he? Unless he was particularly careful. We do find someone who's particularly careful with the mitzvah. We call, they get the name of the person who does that mitzvah. So maybe he was extra careful and every, everyone did, but everyone was extra careful. But most learn that covering, at least on the surface, that covering your head is a mirus chasiros, a good practice, not a strict uh, halachic requirement. Um, and the marshal, he was the uncle of the Ramoy, he lived in about the same time, around the 1500s, uh, late, for, uh, early, late 14, early 1500s. Um, and he says, uh, he says he doesn't know why everyone makes such a big deal about wearing a yami. He doesn't think it's an obligation to wear it the whole time. He says, but, th- this is what I also found very interesting in, a, in an approach to Psak. He says, you know, but once everyone's very careful and they view as a porous. You know, you're not wearing a yami, you're not so religious. You, know, you, have to be, you have to be very careful and you have to wear it. So, but okay, there's obviously a lot more to discuss in that, but let's carry on. Shol ben almona achas esrebi eliezer. A certain son of an almona. So his father had died. We'll see why that's relevant a bit later in the story. But he asked Rabbi Eliezer, he says, If both your father and your mother ask you to get them a glass of water, who do you get the glass of water for first? 
Again, when you have an equal mitzvah to honor both your parents, which I come to. It says, says, leave your father's, um, leave your mother and do, and do kavarav, because you and your mother are required to honor your father. When he asked Rabbi Yeshua the same question, he said the same answer. What's the halacha if your parents are divorced? So says, I can see from your eyelashes that you are a son of an almana. And therefore, Rashi points out, um, yeah, he says, firstly, how did he see that? Um, And because you have obviously they're so thin, you must have been crying a lot that they've fallen out. It must be because your father's died. So I can tell that you're an orphan. What difference does that make? He says, I thought when you were asking me the question, you were asking me halachalamasa. When really all you're asking me is theoretical. Very interesting. You see that a, a rav approaches a theoretical question different to a practical question. Important to be aware of when you're asking a question to let the Rav, no, I'm trying to think who I once asked someone a theoretical question and they thought I was asking a practical question. I'm actually a little bit ups- don't want to say upset, but they were borderline upset with me. I'm just trying to think who it was. Um, it might have also just been the time, you know, they were busy, so yeah. <laughs> to ask them a theoretical question, you know, when someone's in a rush. Um, but again, it has it's a different approach how you're going to approach it to Benjamin. But he was upset, so if he gave him an answer, he says, uh, so he said, in case, I see you're not asking it practically. He says, Place it on a jug between them and coo like you would coo to chickens to come and get their food. Uh, what's he, um, he's saying it facetiously like, you go, oh, so you're asking, you're asking me a theoretical question. I'll give you a theor- uh, theoretical answer. Put a jug between them and let them come and, you know, call them to come and drink. Obviously, he's not saying that's what you do. But what he is saying is, put it between them. Uh, you can choose. When your father and your mother who are divorced ask your question, you can choose who you want to do the honor for. I was assuming this is where you receive the instruction at the same time, because if you receive the instruction from one of them first, wouldn't we say, like, if you're busy with one mitzvah, you're exempt from another mitzvah. Okay, but I'm not sure, because I, like, I don't know how your parents would ask you for something at the same time. Unless you know. You know they both... Uh, they're both getting back from work and they're both going to be thirsty. So who do you go and uh, make a point of getting their drink first? Okay, Dorash Ula Rabba, Dorash Ula Rabba appears at the Bainasia. Ula Rabba made a drosha by the entrance of the Bainas, of the Nossi's houses. My deceive, what does it mean when the Pasuk says, Yoduch Hashem Kolmala Cheoretz Ki Shomu Imre Picho? All the nations of the world acknowledge Hashem when they heard the teachings of his mouth. Mama It doesn't say the teaching of his mouth. It says the, of his of Hashem's of Hashem. It says the teachings. So what? what, what so why are we emphasizing two teachings? It says When Hashem told said the first two of the ten commandments, I am Hashem your God, and you shall not have other gods. Ah, look, he's a little bit uh, self Hashem's a little bit self-entitled. He's just saying mitzvahs and things that are for his own honor. But then when he got to the fifth, 
of the Ten Commandments. They went and they re-agreed to the, uh, they reaffirmed the two first two teachings. Aye, so they were sensitive to the value and the significance of Kivra Daim to the degree that when Hashem told them you must honor your parents, they realized when Hashem tells you to honor him, it's not uh, it's not out of self selfishness, it's out of an acknowledgement of who Hashem is. So they were okay with that. Very similarly, Rob Amamahacha, Rob gives a different word. says, Rosh Tvarcha Emes. The beginning of your words are true. So it says, You telling me that the beginning of what Hashem said is true, but not the end of what Hashem says is true. No, Elam is From the end of his words, from the end of the first tablets, honor your mother and father. You can see it reflects and gives truth to the beginning of the first tablets. So again, this is first. Uh, there's two points to emphasize from here, yeah, and this will explain. One second. Huh? Tablets are written in the same order. What do you mean? They had different things on the te- on the two tablets. Yeah, no, no. The one tablet had the first five, and the other no, tablet. No, 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 How no, we learn? Like the first report and the second set of report. Sorry. Imagine so. Sorry. I imagine so. Yeah. Um, Oh, so, so we see here, firstly, the Ummah Sa'olam had a, like, they, they had some issue with Hashem saying, you know, I'm Hashem, your God, and don't have other gods, when it was almost coming purely Hashem, almost speaking on his own behalf. When they saw that Hashem also said, honor your parents, like, oh wait, there's something to this that he said, honor himself. So but we see that the non-Jews appreciated the significance of honor your parents. Again, maybe this goes back to the beginning. What's the significance of honoring your parents? Again, is, is an appreciation of what someone's giving you. It's a, it's a starting point. If you can't show honor, appreciation, and gratitude to your parents, then how are you going to ever cross over the line to Hashem and what He's given, given you? And if you do, then something, if you are able to show it to Hashem and not to your parents, well, then there's something missing. If you want, the, I mean, the interesting questions discussed. What about an adopt, a child who's adopted and then he finds out who his real parents are? Does he still have to honor them? So he's adopted as a baby. So, I mean, I think simply that his parents gave him life. There's no such thing as adoption, proper adoption in Jewish law. So you can look after the child, but it's not like he doesn't become yours. I know. We say if you adopt a child, you can call him after your name. He gets called up to the Torah by his father's name if he's adopted when he's young. Seriously? Yeah. So you learn something new every day. That's what I'm saying. I don't know what you mean. So this is what, there isn't a technical document and a Kenyan yeah, and a yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. But I'm saying there is a, do- a person who raises a child as an adoptive parent. And then you can go, you can try and play with the technicalities and what grants will you get from the government if it's a adopted child or a foster child or just a child you're looking after or your own child. I mean, but those are, I don't think that means that oh, there's no adoption in the Torah. Um, I think there is, and it's, it's brought as a great chesed. Um, but does, so does he, and then does he have the mitzvah of kibbutz aim to his adoptive parents? And then, if you also want to take it the next step, what happens if you have abusive parents? Does a child still have a mitzvah of kibbutz aim? I think there, there's a double-edged sword because the whole, even if you say that he does have the mitzvah of kibbutz aim. Sometimes it can be almost emotionally damaging for him to try have a relationship with 
parents like that. So, okay, so there's, I mean, there's a lot of fascinating, I mean, these are discussed, I'm not, uh, but there's a lot of fascinating patients to discuss. But the main point to bring out from here is there's clearly a significance that even non-Jews can appreciate in the mitzvah of Kivu Aim. That when Hashem said the mitzvah of Kivu Aim, to them it's like, oh wow. You actually, Hashem, you're telling, you're speaking about Kibbut Abhaim, you also have a right to speak about your own honor now. It says, So Ula asked, How far does Kibbut Abhaim go? So he said, Look how far Kibbut Abhaim is. Sorry, what's a Bomi name, Rav? How far do you have to go with Kibra Ba'im? So he says, Go see how far this non-Jew, Dama Ben Nasina, who lived in Ashkelon, took things. Um, why, why does it give so many details? Dama Ben Nasina, who lived in Ashkelon, etc. To kind of verify that it's a true story. Um, you could find other significance and maybe say that it's uh, not a true story, it's a legend, but uh, let's go with that, that it's a true story. So, so again, they're asking him, me as a Jew, how far do I have to go? So he says, well, look how careful the non-Jews are, and therefore that, and you should definitely be going that far, because you have a mitzvah to do it. It says, uh, Once upon a time, the sages had a, wanted to be involved in a business deal, and the profit for it was... 600,000 gold coins. And the key to the, I don't know, the merchandise or whatever was under the head of his father's, on, under the head of Dama Benesina's father, Velociari. It didn't bother him to wait to disturb him. He was sleeping, he was having his afternoon nap. The key to the warehouse was locked. They're going to lose 600,000 gold coins. So he didn't disturb him. Omar Rabbi Yehuda, Mashmul, Shalwes, Rabbi Eliezer, and Heichon Kibbut Abba'im. When they asked Rabbi Eliezer how far do you have to go for Kibbut Abba'im, Omar Nohem, Tzur, Uma, Asa, Oveh, Kochom, Echot, Laaviv, will come see how far this one non-Jew was for his, went for his father. But Ashkelon, they lived in Ashkelon. But Dama ben Nesina, Shmo, Bikshu, Mimhenu, Chachomim, Avvonim, Laeifot, Beshishim, Revua. His father, sorry, the Chachomim wanted to buy one of the stones for the Eifot, one of the big day kohuna, and it was worth um, 600,000. He would have made a 600,000 gold coin profit on this deal. But Rav Kahana must be Shmoyim Rivor. Rav Kahana says, no, it wasn't 600,000, it was 800,000. The key to the gem chest was under the head of his father, and he didn't want to bother him. The next year, Hashem paid him back for this great kibbutz Abba'im and losing out 600,000 forests. He merited to have a paraduma born into his herd. He says, I know how valuable this cow is to you. I can, I can name my price and you'll give it to me. Literally, he says, all the money in the world and he'll give it to you. All I ask from you is for the money that I lost out of Kivur Abba'im. So that's the Omar Rabbi Hanina. Rabbi Hanina said, If this is the reward for someone who was not obligated in this mitzvah and he still does it, 
how much more so can you imagine the reward for someone who's commanded in Kibar Abayim? The fame, I mean, there are lots of things to discuss here. Why is a Paraduma the reward for a Abne? Um, the stones of the breastplate. Another fun question they ask on this is, uh, when, when in history was this? Because we know we only had, as far as I know, we only had the Choshen in the first place of English. No, we probably had it in the second. I was thinking, we, when, did, when was this? Because didn't we only have the Choshen and the Eifud in the first place of Mikdash? And the Poraduma, we only had one Poraduma for the first place of Mikdash and, and eight, I think, for the second place of Mikdash. But, but I'm just thinking now, maybe they did have the stones or the breastplates. They didn't have the Urim Batumi, but they did have the breastplate. Okay, so that's not a big question. Um, sorry, I thought it was. Um, but uh, my favorite question is, if my father had the opportunity, or he probably, even if he knew that I had the opportunity to make a profit of 600,000 gold coins, he would be more upset if I didn't wake him up. <laughs> so that, uh, so, so that, I mean, that's a very good question. Someone would say, no, it's the, they don't really need the money, it's the profit that was 600,000. But I think those are all dofake. And I think sometimes you have to take into consideration what does your father really want? Does he, maybe he doesn't want to be woken up and then. Uh, um, You know, then, yeah, to wake him up is still a tsara, and it's a totally lack of kibbutz avayim. On the other hand, even if you, when you wake him up, he's going to be shy, he's going to say, what are you doing? I'm trying to have my nap, or whatever. Or, it's so early in the morning, why are you waking me up? And then, uh, um, you know, and you tell him the reason. It's like, oh, okay, great, let's, uh, let, me, let me put on my army, and I'll follow you, or, you know, let me put on my jacket, and let's go do this deal. Like, you can't, I don't know, that sounds to me, that's kibbutz avayim, taking into account what he wants. Um, another one is, what about waking him up to do a mitzvah? You see that he's going to miss uh, your, your father sleeping in and he's going to miss my Kriyashma or it's time for Mincha, Shabbos afternoon, and he's having a Shabbos nap. Can you wake him? Is that, that's the only Litzara, but it's for something greater. Okay, again, you know, fun questions to look into when discussing Kibra Why do you bring up this kind of thing? I mean, he's not a Jewish guy. Yeah. So why are we even discussing? Oh, so that's what he's saying. That, that's what Rabbi Hanina says. We'll, we'll see it. We'll clarify it now. But very simply, is if this is how far he went, and he wasn't even obligated, can you imagine you as a Jew who's obligated in Kivarava Aim, how far you have to go? So and this is now. So now we're going to that point. Um, he says, Vam Rabbi Hanina, uh, sorry, third wide, third very wide line from the towards the bottom of the page. Omar Rabbi Yosef, Mirash Have Amina. Rabbi Yosef used to say at first. Now Rabbi Yosef, you've got to remember, was blind. He says, Manda Have Um Um If someone can come and justify, explain to me that the halach is like Rabbi Yehuda, who says that. A blind person is exempt from mitzvahs. I'll make a Yom Tov feast for the yeshiva. Because I'm not commanded and I still do it. At face value, that's an amazing, amazing thing. You're not obligated to do it and you go ahead and still do it. Oh, that's one of it. It says, But now that Rabbi Hanina has told us, greater is the one who says that. Someone who, who is commanded and does it, then someone who is not commanded and does it, the one who can explain to me why the halacha is not like Rabbi Yehuda, I'll make a yom to feast for the rabbanon. I, I want to do it in a way that I get the most reward. Um, yeah. Now, um, 
Why is someone who's commanded to do it greater and does it greater than someone who is not commanded? Very simple example. A man shaking lulav on first day sukkah, he has a mitzvah to do it. He gets more reward than the woman who's shaking lulav because she's not commanded to do it. Or kibrav, a Jew doing kibrav aim will get more reward than a non-Jew. Why? So Tosos give one answer which I think is quite uh, psychological, but in, in some ways to me it just doesn't seem to go into the essence of the matter because, but he says because once, as soon as you have the mitzvah that you're obligated to it, you're worried and you're stressed about transgressing it more than someone who is not obligated. I similar to the concept that as we've said, past the salah. If you know that you have a snack available, you're not as hungry as if you're worried when you're next going to get a snack. So, so to, yeah, if you know, you have the, the flip side of that is if you're worried about will I be able to fulfill this mitzvah, that stress, that anxiety makes it more of a mitzvah and you get more reward. Why I'm not, why I'm not happy with this answer is it's, it's almost, sound, to me it sounds like there's two different things. There's the, the reward for the anxiety and the stress you're undergoing and then there's the reward for the mitzvah doesn't sound necessarily intrinsic to the mitzvah, but Tosos seem to be saying that it is. Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, it's not such a thing to me, that thing. But again, Tosos seem to learn that it is intrinsic to it. I think we could add to that very similarly. We know as soon as you have to do something, your Yetzirah comes up with a whole lot of strategies and resistance. I don't want to do it. I, if I think of, oh, let me go help that person, I'll be more than happy to go help them. The second you come up to me and say, you better go help that person, I'm going to be like, why should I? Um, so that's another aspect. And then a third answer that I've seen, that I've heard, um, the Ritva, they bring is, what's the purpose of a mitzvah's assay? What are you doing when you fulfill a mitzvah's assay? You're fulfilling Hashem's commandment. And that's the whole, what Hashem needs. The, the third answer is, what do you do when you, when you do a mitzvah's assay? Is you're fulfilling Hashem's commandment. Hashem doesn't need you to shake gulat for, you know, to, uh, to exist. Hashem doesn't need your positive commandments. Hashem gives us positive commandments for us to grow, achieve, and earn reward. Therefore, it's only where it's actually commanded by Hashem is there that dimension of you fulfilling the will of Hashem. If you're not commanded to do it, well then, you know, when you go and, I don't know, um, walk, walking to go get lunch. And you can argue you want to have lunch to have the energy to serve Hashem, whatever. But very simply, Hashem hasn't commanded you to walk to lunch. So walking to lunch is not a mitzvah. But walking to shul, Hashem has commanded you to. Ah, so now you're doing a mitzvah. So why should you get... So therefore, the whole purpose of mitzvah is to fulfill Hashem's commandments. And I guess you can add to that earn reward. Therefore, if you're commanded to do it, well then it's a mitzvah. If you're not commanded to do it, it's not... Okay. Yeah, let me give a... Sorry, a better example than walking. If you shake lulav on Pesach, yeah. lulav on Rosh Hashanah, there's no mala in that because it's not what Hashem asked you to do. So, so too, if Hashem never asks you to do Kibbut Aim, what's the mala in it? So we do seem to say there is a little bit of a mala, at least if, well, Kibbut Aim non-Jews appreciate the importance of it, um, with the... Uh, yeah. Um, Kiyasar Avdimi Omar. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is it also mindset? 
Okay, so it would be similar to what Toso said. That's what's similar to what Toso said and what I said about the Eitzahara. So, I mean, that could be another possible answer. I, I, I do, I think, in a way, prefer this one. It, it's only a valuable act if Hashem has commanded you to do it. If He hasn't commanded you to do it, then it's not a valuable act. That, that, that's uh, of significant, I don't know, I don't know, valuable or significant, not sure, not the best words for the, but I'm sure you understand what I'm saying. Okay, now we're going to see from the other side how far um, Dama Benesina went. So, Ki Asar Abdimi Omar, Pam Achas Hoyo Lobush Sirkon Shel Zohar, for Hoyo Yeshev Engadole Romi. Dama Benesina was wearing his uh, golden silk robes and he was sitting amongst the government of the Roman Senate. His mother came and tore his garment. She clapped him in the face. And spat at him. And he didn't shame her. Again, is this Minadin? Or is he going This touches on the question I mentioned earlier. If your parents abusing you, embarrassing you, Maybe he knew his mother wasn't well, or you know what? What's the scenario here? When would you be obligated? How are you? Are we obligated to go that far? If Chas uh, Shalom, someone's mother is standing there, abusing them, embarrassing them in public, and they just bear it. You can see why that could be a very good thing. But is that an obligation? Um, that. Uh, but here we see that's how far Dhamma Bernasina went in his Kibarama aim. It's interesting, he seemed to have had a wonderful relationship with his father and a very difficult one with his mother. <laughs> it sounds to me like his mother wasn't well, which I imagine also plays a role, but something to think about it. Okay, Tony Avimi, there's someone who can feed his father the finest delicacies and he'll be driven from the world. It's a terrible thing. And there can be someone who um, makes his father grand at the mill. And that act of getting his father to grand at the millstone will bring him oilam haba. Rashi brings from the Yerushalmi what it's specifically referring to. Why does it bring these examples? But the main point is it's how you're doing your mitzvah. If your mom asks you for a cup of coffee and you come there and you like storm in, you throw the ingredients and it's like half dripping out the cup and you come and you slam it down on the table before you and you say, yeah, here's your coffee, that's, you're going to get Gehenim for that. That's no mitzvah kibarava Even though you did the technical action, the way you did it is totally disrespectful and your mother won't even appreciate it. And that's, uh, yeah, if you, you, you know, you need your father's help with something and you speak to him nicely and uh, discuss it with him and get him to... Uh, and, and he's happy to do it, well then that's good. And, but the story that Rashi brings is again basically the same case. Someone was serving their father delicacies, and the father, the father says, "Oh, what's, this is so special. What's the? Uh, what did he say? Yo, where did you get such uh, delicacies from? Uh, you know, it's a regular, regular. What's that? Like you know, being nice and he says, "What do you care? Just eat it." Just eat your supper. Stop, uh, you know. So that's, uh, you can see why I got Olam Haba with that approach. The other one was they came to recruit the father into the king's service. I married to the army, you know, to something very thing. And he was an elderly man. So the son said, you know what, dad? You stay home, manage the business. You're all going to have to end up, you know, working on the mill a bit here, grinding flour with the mill, etc. Like some unjust work. But let me take your place in the king's uh, service. 
So there, that son, he was looking out for his father. He was doing it in the best way. He's like trying to well and calculate how can he help his father? What can he do the most and the best? And, and the best, and that's why he inherited Olam Haba, even though he basically put his father to the millstone. Okay, look, Avimi Matsan, he fulfills the mitzvah of honor. He had five sons with smicha. Tell you the relevance of that soon to explanations. But Levimi Bachaya Oviv. While his father was still alive, I well, Miavu was still alive. He had already had five sons who had smicha. Five great tamidachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachach
Oh, my father brings me a cup of water. My mother brings me a cup of wine. Hey, Chiyabit, what do I do? He's explaining. He says, my, 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 my father's, uh, Rashi uses a word interesting. He says, uh, where was it? Um, He says, I'm the beloved of my father and the precious one of my mother. And they just want to do these things for me. I don't really want them to serve me, but they, they want to. From your mother you can accept it, but from your father you can't accept it. Because he's a Tamil Chochum, he might at one moment regret, think this is beneath my dignity or something like that, to be serving my son. Uh, uh, to be serving my son. And uh, he will despair and then you'll be punished because your father. So interesting, we see here, we're going to see a little bit further that if your parents, sometimes letting your parents do something for you is the kibun apa aim. Okay, so we said, if your parent wants you to wake them up, you can't say waking them up is distressing them, even though they're upset that they have to get up. They want to be woken up. Um, so, so to here, um, we see that with mothers. The sons come home from yeshiva, been away for a few months. The mother can't wait to spoil them. Make them nice food, bring them drink, da, 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 um, you know, things like that. Um, that would be 100%, uh, that, that would be mutter. As long as you can verify that your parents really want to do it and they're not serving you, but it's an expression of their love for you, they want to do it, then it would be fine. It's quite interesting. I always like, had this problem in your ship. You know, sometimes I would, when I was staying at the dorms, I'd want either to get something from home or to send something home. And I mean, and I saw my dad every day or my mom. You know, often pop by. So, am I allowed to ask them? Can I ask my dad to carry home a bag of washing for me? Like, I, I felt bad about that, but, uh, you know, I know, uh, I can be confident. I, d- I don't know if it was the right thing to always do. Um, so, I, I try to, f- I try to not, I try to find other ways, but I can be confident that my dad would have, was only too happy to take my washing home to have me stay in Yeshiva for, <laughs> to, to have me in Yeshiva as opposed to uh, going home and coming back late or whatever. But uh, it's something that a person has to think about when uh, with Kibbutz Rabbi Rabbi Tafon Havaleahu Ima Zakaina add in the word Rabbi Tafon's mother was quite old. The Chol Amos to have a boiler meisakle Puria Gothin Vesoliklo the Chol Amos to have a Nochis Nochis Alea. Whenever she was climbing onto the bed, he would like bend over so she could like step on him to get onto the bed, and so too when she would want to get down from the bed. Asa v'ko mishtabach by midrasha. And when he was telling how wonderful he was in the base measure, he says, you know, this is how far, this is what I do for my mother. They said, you haven't even reached half of what you should be doing. Has she ever thrown her wallet away in front of you and you didn't shame her? It's one thing to be self-sacrificing, but can you suffer embarrassment, suffer a loss, a financial loss for your mother? And Tosos bring another aspect of how far Ibi Tarfun went. said once her shoe broke or she couldn't find her one shoe, so to help her walk, he put his hand under her. So everywhere she so she didn't get her, she didn't get her, her, her socks dirty walking through the mud, he put his hand there. Okay, Rabbi Yosef, Tosos bring other examples, but let's carry on. Whenever Rabbi Yosef heard the footsteps of his mother, he says, oh, I better stand up, the Shekhinah's coming. Interesting, amazing approach. I mean, we did see Hashem saying, I, I view your honor of your parents as honor to me, but we see he kind of uh, took that very literal. Happy is someone who never saw his parents. Rabbi Yochanan Kiavorto Imo Meis Ovibianarato Meiso Imo Vachain Ambaye. Rabbi Yochanan had this advantage that when his mother was 
pregnant with him, his father died, and his mother died in childbirth, so to Abaya. Why is it such a... Oh, any, is that true? Did Abaya really not have a parent? There's this Vam, Abaya, Omri, Aim. We three see throughout just, the time we had it most recently was with those cures. Abaya said, my mother would say... My mother would say, says, no, that was his nurse, the woman who raised him. Um, so he, again, we see he referred to as his mother, but he didn't actually have a mother. Why? Why is it an advantage for someone to grow up never having known the parents? The responsibility of Kibur aim is so extreme that you're invariably going to fail, and there's an aspect of rather, rather never not be in that situation. I mean, amazing... Uh, um, uh, quite a quite a heavy statement to say, but that's what we see uh, um, again. Because again, we've been saying how far do you have to go for kibbutz of the aim, and look at this. Look how far we see they went, and like Rabbi Tarfan, when he is saying, look how careful I am with kibbutz of the aim. Again, I don't think he was doing it to brag. He was doing it to say, like, am I doing enough? Is this the mitzvah of kibbutz aim? I bend over so that when my mother's getting onto the bed, she can stand on my back to climb on to the bed, and they're like. Yeah, you're halfway there. You still, have you ever, how, how do you react when she does something that angers you or causes a financial loss? It may, like, we see how hard and heavy this burden is, that there is an aspect of lucky someone who was never placed in that situation of having to worry about giving up Okay, Rebasi, have a But obviously, look on the other side, can you imagine the value of it? Can you imagine the value and the significance of Kibbutz Abayim? Rav, Asi, Havalei, Ahu, Amr, Zikena, Omri, in a touch. I was also thinking, I mean, often it's a more, um, for many people, the question might be the other way. How do you teach children about the importance of this? It's hard to insist on your own honor, but, okay, something to think about, Rav. Asi, Havalei, Ahu, Amr, Zikena, and Omri, in a touchitin, when she, uh, Rav Asi's mother was very old, it seems she had started to get some sort of dementia. But she would say, when she wants, uh, she doesn't want jewelry, you'd make sure to get her. But in a gavra, in the iron law, she says, I want to get married. He said, you know, I'll find you a good husband. Doesn't say whether he did. I don't know if he did literally or not, because it doesn't, just from the context, it just doesn't sound like he would actually, like she was the sort of woman who, think, but whatever, but in a gavra, the shapik of Asra, I want a husband that's as beautiful as you, to her son. So that's, so that's why I'm saying it doesn't seem like she was, uh, maybe she was quite very old or something. Okay. He left her and he went to Eretz Yisrael. Now that's, this, this creates a whole lot of other problems. You're allowed to leave your, your parents to go make Kaliyah, to go learn Torah in Eretz Yisrael. So I think those are two exceptions where you might be allowed to, but something to tell you, you definitely have to make sure that there's someone to look after your parents if you do leave them. Um, I know my grandfather used to say it as a, a real consideration. If you're going to make Aliyah and you're going to leave your elderly parents behind, like it's a serious calculation that you have to make. Um, I don't remember how he came out or what he said in regards to that, but he did say it's a huge factor. And Shoma Dekho Oslo Basra, he heard his mother leaving Babel to come to travel to Eretz Yisrael. Asal Kamid Rabbi Yochanan, Omele, Maulat says, my Eretz Lechutzlaret. He says, am I allowed to leave Eretz Yisrael to go to Chutzlaret? I hear my mother's coming, am I allowed to go? So Omele, awesome. He said to him, you're not allowed to leave. Oh, sorry, he didn't. He just said, am I allowed to leave Eretz Yisrael to go to Kutzrois? He says, also, definitely not. He says, Likros, what happens if it's to go greet my mother? I haven't seen my mother in years. I want to go uh, say, ha. Huh? He says, Amale, I need a He says, I'm not sure. So, Asra Purta Hadarasa. So, he waited a while and he came back. Now, it's, it seems he wanted to go check. Rabbi Yochanan, have you given it more thought? Do you know the answer yet? But Rabbi Yochanan thought he was coming to... Uh, um, tell him that he was going. So Hadarasa Omar lay 
Asi, he said, Asi, Misratzis, Lotzais, Amokom, Yaktarecholashalom. I see you want to go, go and may Hashem return you in peace. If I made Rabbi Yochanan angry that he just sent go, said go. He says, what did he tell you? He says, Hashem should return you in peace. If Rabbi Yochanan was angry with you, he wouldn't have blessed you that you should return in peace. So clearly Rabbi Yochanan was, I mean again, as we see it, Rabbi Yochanan was okay. He wasn't sure on the answer, but he's definitely okay with Ravasi making the decision to go to Chutzlaret to visit his parents, his mother. In the interim, he heard that they were bringing his mother's coffin up. She had passed away. If I knew that my mother had passed away, I wouldn't have gone out to go and uh, greet her. Toru, okay, I think let's leave the church quite late. I think we get a bit further, but tomorrow is also fast moving death.